History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 433rd episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast, Ghost Tours for the Theater of the Mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, on this episode, we're going to be going to a location suggested by Bailey O'Brien, and that is Waverly Plantation House in Mississippi. Very excited. It's a very unique house, both on the outside and inside. We're looking forward to sharing its history and haunts with you guys. But before we get into that, we want to welcome into the spectacular crew, Davey, Lacey, Sarah with an H, Scott with only one T, Allison with one L, Carolyn with a C, Dawn, and Lisa. Thank you for joining us in our Facebook group. And now, this moment, Naughty. The moment in Oddity was suggested by Chelsea Flowers. A man in Turkey was doing some renovations on his house in 1963 when he made an amazing discovery. He broke through an exterior bedroom wall and discovered a tunnel entrance. What he didn't know at the time would soon be figured out by archaeologists. He had discovered the lost ancient underground city of Durinkuyu that dates to the 8th century BC. This city extended to a depth of 200 feet and there were a series of rooms that rose to multiple levels. These rooms were carved into the soft volcanic rock of this region of Turkey and featured living and sleeping quarters, storerooms, rooms for livestock, and even a school. Ventilation holes were carved up to the surface for ventilation. The city was able to hold up to 20,000 people and was believed to have been built by the Phrygians. These were an Indo-European group from the Balkan region. This was believed to be a place of refuge from Arab armies, and the entrance tunnels were hidden in the hills surrounding Durinkiyu. This would serve that purpose during the Byzantine era from the 5th through the 10th century AD, and then again in the 14th century. The idea that this ancient underground city of refuge was found during a house renovation certainly is odd. And now, this month in history. In the month of April, on the 3rd in 1978, the movie Annie Hall beats out Star Wars for Best Picture. Star Wars was an extremely successful action-adventure blockbuster directed by George Lucas, while Annie Hall was a small-scale romantic comedy directed by Woody Allen. Annie Hall was played by Diane Keaton, and Woody Allen played the male lead, Alvy. They were a couple in real life, and Keaton's character was based on her. 
and the wardrobe of hats, oversized jackets, and baggy trousers inspired other women to give the style a try. At this 50th Oscars, the film not only won Best Picture, but Best Director, Best Actress, and Best Original Screenplay. It was the first time a director won an Oscar for a movie in which he starred. But Star Wars didn't need to feel bad. Look at the franchise it created, and where would we be without The Child? The Waverly Plantation Home is located near West Point, Mississippi, and is not only one of the most photographed antebellum homes in the South, but is very uniquely designed with an octagonal-shaped cupola. The Robert Snow family took what had become a rundown and abandoned home and over a period of 25 years returned it to its former glory. It's a registered historic landmark that you can visit today. Be sure to bring your paranormal senses because this place reputedly has several spirits. Join us as we explore the history and hauntings of Waverly Plantation House. West Point is located in what is considered the Golden Triangle of Mississippi. This triangle is formed from the cities of West Point, Columbus, and Starkville. The land was sold to a James Robertson in 1844 by two Native Americans. A lesser battle of the Civil War was fought in the town in February of 1864, and West Point became the home of Mary Holmes College in 1892. This was a co-educational, historically black college for young black women, which closed its doors in 2005. So that college was around a really long time. It certainly was. It now is home for community counseling services that provide services for mental health and addiction. It'd be a few miles down the road that Colonel George Young would build his plantation home. And they call him Colonel Everywhere, Kelly. I have no idea why he has that name. And no historical accounts could figure out why he was called Colonel either. I think it was more of a nickname than actually a title. It <laughs> could be. George Young was born on December 28, 1799, in Oglethorpe County, Georgia. His family were planters, but he had his sights set on the law. He graduated from the University of Georgia with honors. Young began his law practice in Lexington, Georgia, and served in the Georgia legislature as a representative for Oglethorpe County. Young married Lucy Woodson Watkins in 1825 when he was 26, and the couple would have 10 children six boys and four girls. Honestly, these women back in that day when they would have all of these children, which they <laughs> all did because you didn't know how many were going to make it to adulthood. Right. How did they do it? And I haven't even had to go through childbirth. <laughs> Two was good for me. They all survived into adulthood too. Which really at that time is amazing. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of that in any of the stories we've done, having all of your children make it to adulthood. A bit of a miracle. In 1833, Young moved the family to Lowndes County, Mississippi. He purchased thousands of acres of land at the Pontotoc Land Office, which was selling Chickasaw tribal land. Part of this purchase was near the Tombigbee River. Young was now going to go back to his roots and be a planter rather than a lawyer. It's interesting to have somebody go from being a lawyer to a planter. True. Young proceeded to set up several plantations fully staffed with enslaved labor. The Tom Bigby River also provided revenue through boat transportation, 
which not only helped him transport his crops, but the crops and goods of other services. In 1842, he built a two-story dog trot, Kelly, dog trot, I know, cabin near the river for the family to live in and a brick plantation office. Now that comes up all the time. <laughs> it's Isn't so it funny. Amazing? Yep. He continued to save up his money because he had a dream of building a showcase mansion for his wife, and he started that endeavor in 1852. This would become the Waverly Plantation House. Unfortunately, Lucy didn't get to enjoy the new house for long. She died shortly after it was built. She was only 52 years old. The mansion was designed by architect Charles Pond and built in the Greek Revival style and was very unique with two giant white columns rising on the front porch of a house that featured four stories with a two-story main house and two-story cupola on the rotunda. The interior is awe-inspiring, with a central spindled staircase that winds around in a circular path up all four floors. Each of those floors has a Wallace floor walkway. The rotunda had a sparkling chandelier hanging from it. Entering into this wide-open octagonal foyer must have been something for guests, and the Waverly had plenty of guests as this home became a center for the social activity of the nearby towns, hosting weekly dances. The first floor had four rooms, a former parlor, dining room, library, and a guest room, which was the biggest room in the house. A Rosewood Steinway piano sat in the parlor and was one of only eight made that had an off-center keyboard. The second floor had four bedrooms. The top floor of the cupola was a ballroom. The kitchen was outside, as was custom of the time. The house was 8,000 square feet. Kelly, I know it's hard to picture this, so I grabbed some pictures. I'll put them up on Instagram so everybody can get a feel for this. The Wallace walkway? Yeah. Well, (laughs) here's what it looks like. It's not that it doesn't have a wall. It's more like they have a banister that goes around it. Oh, interesting. So here's the stairs going up. And it's really cool when you walk in there because it's a double staircase. So there's it's like one on each side of the house kind of thing. And then they wind up into these pathways here. But yes, they don't have a wall along that portion. Yeah, so there's no wall. It's just these banisters that you can look over down into the main part of the house. And then, as you notice, the staircases are like we see in some of the old houses we've been in. They're standing. Yeah, they're freestanding. There's nothing, you know, supporting it. It's just supported by the wall. Wow, that's incredible that they had that kind of architecture at the time. So there you get a better feel for it. And then this chandelier, this is how far down it hangs because this is the second level here. Right. And this Incredible. is connected all the way on the fourth level. So the chandelier hangs down two and a half stories. That's very impressive. Yeah, everybody really needs to go to Instagram to check out the pictures. And then this is what it looks like. I have a picture here if you're looking up through the rotunda. It really is like you're standing at the base of a Capitol building with a rotunda and you're looking up all the way. Certainly does. So you literally can look from the very top of the house all the way down into the central part of the house. Never seen anything like that before. Neither have I. Let me just say, because I have a fear of falling, I never would have lived in this house. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I could either. So the house is amazing, but even more amazing were the grounds. They were magnificent with gardens and orchards. There was a cotton gin, brick kiln, ice house, and a swimming pool with a bathhouse. My goodness. That's also something you didn't hear a lot about with these mansions is having a swimming pool. Later, a leather tannery, lumber mill, and hat manufacturing plant would be added. Basically had his own little community business here. Sounds like it. The first American-made saddle blankets were produced here. There was also a few homes built by plantation owners who farmed nearby plantations. Two of these owners would be James and Thomas Young, George's sons. And there were, of course, slave quarters. Sir Walter Scott wrote a novel named Waverly, and that is what inspired the name for Young. 
That's why he named his home that. And you will see it spelled both with an L-E-Y at the end and an L-Y at the end. Either one is proper. It started with the Y and then changed to L-E-Y. Lucy wasn't able to enjoy years in the home, but the rest of the young family did. Things would change with the Civil War. All of the boys signed up to fight for the Confederacy. George and his daughters opened up the home as a hospital and recuperation house. One of the people who stayed here was Belle Buchanan Edmondson, who was a Confederate scout and spy. At the time, a warrant was out for her arrest because she had been running supplies and letters to the Confederates. She hid out at the house. She died in 1872 at the age of 33. Another person who stayed at the house was Lieutenant General Nathan Bedford Forrest, who was wounded while leading his troops in stopping the Yankee invasion of Columbus. He recuperated for three weeks in the Egyptian room at the house. He also used Waverly as a headquarters because the couple had made a great lookout. He and George's son, Colonel George Hamilton Young, became friends and Forrest would continue to visit the house in the future. Beverly Daniel Young was George's third son and he joined the 11th Infantry Regiment in May of 1861. And kind of a, I don't know if this is really a funny story, but I was trying to figure out how many kids they had because I couldn't find anywhere that actually listed the children. So at Find a Grave, they had all the children's names there. So I thought they had 10 kids, five of them were boys and five were girls until I read about Beverly Daniel Young because I didn't bother to look at the second name. So I just looked at the first and I thought Beverly and went with a girl. The information's in the details, hon. I know. I should have <laughs> continued to read on to see, oh, Daniel probably didn't give that to a girl. He fought in several battles, first and second Manassas battles, Battle of Seven Pines, Cold Harbor Action, Battles of Petersburg and Gaines Mill, and the Battle of Gettysburg. He was in a lot of them. Sounds like it. It would be at Gettysburg that he would be seriously wounded with a shot in his leg. He was taken as a prisoner and placed at the Davids Island Prisoner of War Camp in New York. This location was severely overcrowded, and clearly the medical care would be lacking, and he soon had a gangrene infection that took his life on August 28, 1863. He was initially buried at Cypress Hill Cemetery in Long Island, but the family eventually disinterred the body and he was brought home and buried in the family plot at the George Hampton Young Family Cemetery. And the way I read about that, they had to have some family friends kind of sneak in and do it in order to get the body. Oh, my word. Thomas Young survived the war, but died in 1869 at the age of 38 years. After the war, the enslaved people at Waverly were free and obviously more changed at the plantation. Families in the area were hit hard during Reconstruction, and some of the homeless families were invited to stay at Waverly Mansion. Some of these people were given work at the tannery and mills. Colonel George Young eventually died in 1880, and Waverly Mansion passed down to two of George's sons, who were bachelors still, Captain William and George Valerius, whom they called Val. Captain Billy was what we would call a party animal, and he had no interest in settling down with just one woman. Val was a gambler and regularly hosted card games at the house and cockfights in the yard. Val died in 1906 and Captain Billy died in 1913. He was the last young child to live at Waverly Mansion. Kelly, I managed to find an old picture of these two brothers, so I will share that up on Instagram as well. Excellent. Yeah, they decided uh, they're just going to party and have a good time. Forget about having families. (laughs) Clearly. So now the family had to decide what to do with the property. They couldn't agree on whether to sell it or keep it, but no one could afford the maintenance. They were able to afford to pay the property taxes, so that was all that they did. And the house fell into disrepair and was abandoned for 50 years. How sad. Yeah, I'm just like, sell it then. (laughs) I mean, do something. 
And we all know what happens to amazing old mansions that are no longer loved. People who don't love them move in and turn them into party pads. The local fraternities had some fun here. And maybe that wasn't so bad for the two young sons that were the last to live here since they liked a good party. Then nature moved in and vines wrapped themselves up the beautiful double staircases and bees built a hive in the cupola. Kelly, it weighed 200 pounds. Holy smokes. That is a lot of bees. That's a lot of honey. That is. (laughs) That's probably where most of the weight came from. What's that bee show we were watching the other day? Hopefully they brought in somebody like him to save it so that all the bees were transported somewhere else and they got all the honey too. Exactly. We need to save our bees and our hives. Yes. The mansion would get a second chance in 1962 when Robert and Donna Snow saw the house and fell in love with it. The house came with 35 acres that included a stocked pond and 100-year-old trees and the brick plantation office. Many of the boxwood bushes decorating the property today were from cuttings of the originals planted by the landscape gardener who first designed the gardens on the property. The Snows were antique dealers, so they easily were able to fill the Waverly House with period antiques and some of the young descendants donated original pieces from the family. And the original gas-powered chandelier still hangs from the dome of the rotunda. The rotunda and cupola took seven months to restore, with the biggest project being removing the bees. The kitchen had fallen into ruin in the 1920s, so the Snows built a new one in the same spot. Waverly Mansion was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1978. Donna Snow died in 1991. Robert started his journey to transition in 2016, and the Snow children knew they needed to do something with the house that their parents had been so dedicated to for so many years. They were all getting up in years themselves and didn't have the energy to maintain the property, so they sought out someone who would buy the property and continue to upkeep it and have it open as a museum for the public. Along came Charlie and Dana Stevenson, who were excited to have the house and built a separate home on the property for them to live in so the entire house could be a museum. That is so cool. Yeah, so when the Snows moved into it with their children, they actually lived in the house while it was a showcase house, too, for people to come in as a museum. So it was kind of a living museum, almost. They lived on one floor, and people, I guess, would visit the bottom half or something. The Stevensons replaced the former HVAC system, which was eight fireplaces and open window ventilation, if you can call that an HVAC system, (laughs) with a geothermal system. And this thing is underneath the house. It's very interesting looking. I haven't ever heard of that kind of a way to do an HVAC system in a house. Yeah, I'm not familiar either. And now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. The Waverly Mansion has been home to only three families in its 170 years. Pretty amazing. Yes, indeed. Unfortunately, 50 of them, it was left abandoned, which usually means that the house has been maintained really well if it's only been in three families for that many years. But with the abandoned part of it, that kind of messed it up. And there are reputedly a bevy of spirits who call this home as well. As of April 2022, the house is closed for renovations, but hoping to open in the next few months. Jimmy Denning is the tour guide who has been with the house for more than a decade, and he meets people at the gate on Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. to answer questions and share about the house. Neighbors, guests, the snows, and many more have experienced strange things on the property. Neighbors have claimed to hear music playing that sounds like it's from the late 1800s when the house was abandoned. Loud crashes have been heard in the house. Nothing is ever found disturbed. 
and doors slam shut on their own. Alabama author Catherine Tucker Wyndham wrote 13 Mississippi Ghosts and Jeffrey in 1974. And in there, she shared the story of the ghost of a little girl whose voice has often been heard calling out, Mama, Mama. The snow saw her several times, and she usually appeared on the grand staircase. They described her as looking to be about four years old, wearing a high neck gown that is white. Donna Snow once noticed the impression of a child-sized person on an upstairs bed. She told Robert about it, and they watched the bed together the following night. And sure enough, Kelly, the depression appeared on the bed as if a child climbed up and went to sleep. That's awesome. Man, I would be watching that bed every night. Yeah, definitely. When you see something like that, you tend to think that it's more residual. She likes to move pennies around, too. Mrs. Snow also heard the girl call out, Mama. So she squatted down and asked, Can I help you? What is the matter? She didn't get an answer, and the girl disappeared. It's said that the spirit was not seen again after this exchange. Interestingly, Mrs. Snow's spirit has been spotted on the stairs smoking. So I don't know if she's hanging out with the little girl now. Perhaps. But supposedly this particular girl spirit, there's more than one possibly here. After she was responded to, that was like it for her? I don't know. Interesting. A man was visiting Waverly Mansion with his young daughter, Sandy, at the time when renovations were underway. There was a film of dust on the stairs, and he noticed the bare footprints of a child that were fresh going up four or five steps. He pointed them out to Sandy, and she wanted to leave, and he agreed that they probably should go. Who could this child be? There are a couple of options. During the Civil War, a young girl died of diphtheria when the house was used as a hospital. A relative of the Snow family, Susan Hamilton, died in 1874 in an accident on the staircase when she fell and broke her neck. Perhaps they're both here. Yeah, so we don't know exactly who this child is. The real story that they tell about the staircase is that a child got her head caught between the railing and somehow broke her neck that way. But you've seen the pictures. There's no way a child could get their head between those. So something else had to have happened, like her falling down the staircase. So who knows? I don't know which one of these is which, but I also had heard that the young girl that died of diphtheria was from a neighboring house, and she's actually buried in the cemetery of the young family plot there. Maybe that's why she's here, is because her body's been buried there. The spirit of a Confederate soldier is seen here, and many believe that this is Beverly Young. But there were many soldiers treated here, and we assume some of them did die at the house. Whoever this ghost may be, his favorite prank is to scare people by appearing behind them in a mirror. Captain Billy's drinking buddies have been seen by men who visit the mansion as well. Colonel George Young seems to be watching over his dream home, and who could blame him? He apparently likes to make appearances in the mirrors as well. So if you're ever doing any ghost hunting there, I would definitely be focusing on mirrors. I would recommend the same. L. Sidney Fisher, best-selling author and paranormal researcher, visited the Waverly Mansion in September of 2016. She had experienced paranormal activity on a previous visit, so this time she brought equipment with her. Her previous experience was hearing piano music coming from the parlor, even though there was no one in there playing. She hoped to catch a glimpse of the ghost, but it never materialized. For this 2016 visit, she carried around an EMF detector. In the first three rooms she entered on the first floor, nothing registered. In the parlor, a couple of the lights turned on, and then the tour guide started to tell her about the love affairs and courtships of the people who visited. And the EMF started lighting up like crazy. Sydney said she wished she could hear the spirits telling their stories. I don't know how to say this last name, Kelly. It's Alden Wyagulm, I think. 
She made a video of her visit to Waverly Mansion in February of 2020. Tour guide Jimmy Denning shared with her that college students claimed to see a man on a dark horse galloping down the old dirt road. Annie said the eyes of a portrait of Donna Snow follow people. Alden was also told that the Snow's children would often run to their parents and claim to hear the voice of a little girl in distress, and they would ask their mom if she was okay. Denning, who we mentioned earlier, has been here for more than a decade, claims to have never experienced any ghosts in the house. Because I was like, if there's one person to ask about this, it would be him. He's clearly been with the house for a very long time and loves it enough that he sticks around by the fence while they're fixing it. But nothing? Interesting. Although I think some people are just really closed off to the idea. Yeah. That's the only thing I think of is he just doesn't want to know if there are spirits there. North Mississippi Afterlife investigated the house and captured what they thought were two images in two different mirrors. One was of someone wearing red, and another seemed to be of a small child. They heard unexplained noises, and their batteries drained. Also, a rope that was blocking off one of the rooms started swinging on its own and hit one of the investigators in the legs. This is when they noticed it moving, and they thought maybe someone had hit it. But then it sped up and suddenly came to a dead stop. I remember when we were in the Exchange Hotel, that was one of the things that had happened that we weren't in the room to see. Right. But they were like the rope in here started moving. So then you always do wonder, did somebody just tap it? But when it starts moving faster and nobody's touching it and then it just stops. Right. Something's going on there. (laughs) I wish I could have seen that. A little bit unexplained. And apparently Colonel Young knew he was going to die. Christina Domatrovich interviewed Denning for an article in Mud and Magnolias. And he told her this weird story about George. He died in November 1880, just a few weeks short of his 81st birthday. He was born December of 1799. He had his haberdasher coming out and he said, I want a black suit. As he measured him, the haberdasher said, well, wait a minute. I've never gotten you a black suit before. Why not get a gray suit with pinstripes like I normally get you? Young said, no, no, no. I'm going to be buried in this one. About a week after his black suit was delivered by his haberdasher, he died. Must have had some kind of knowledge that he was going to die. I mean, he was 81 back in the late 1800s, so... Right, that's quite a ripe old age yeah, for that well, time frame. Even nowadays, people living to that's pretty good, so... But interesting story nonetheless. This mansion looks just beautiful in past pictures, which we'll put up on Instagram. So we assume it will look even better after being fully restored. This unique house is not to be missed. If for nothing else, then to see the staircase. Is Waverly Plantation House haunted? That is for you to decide. Kelly, this is definitely a place we're going to go visit. Oh, absolutely. Mississippi's not that far away. And I want you to see the old Annabella mansions in Mississippi anyway. And this one, like I said, I've never seen anything like it. The closest thing would be the house that we were at in Monticello. I think that was the Denning house, which is weird because it's the same last name as the tour guide here. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> but it had the cupola on top of it, too, which you don't usually see on that kind of era of house or whatever. Right. And and for those locations, because normally they're more so out on the coast. Yeah, it's not like it was trying to look out on the harbor or something like that. And this one's even more unique because it's two stories. I've never seen a two-story cupola before. And it makes you wonder why he decided to build, because you would think most people build a three-story house and then put a one-story couple on top of it. But no, it was a two-story house with two-story couple on top. And one of the reasons why I want to see it is because supposedly the ballroom is on the top of the cupola. And I don't 
I don't know how there's room for a ballroom there. Hard to picture it, but yeah, yeah definitely very interesting. Yeah. So I'd want to see, I don't know if they just danced around the outside <laughs> of it, because usually we think of a dancing floor to be, you know, like a ballroom is a big wide room. So I'm wondering right. if it's more on the outside. I'm not Perhaps. Sure. Hurry up and finish the renovations. <laughs> well, the cool thing with that is that you would have been able, even though the music would have been down in the parlor, you would have heard it up there because there was no walls. So. Yeah. Yeah. Get that renovation done. I actually, the reason why I have all the updates on it is because I'm following their stuff on Facebook. So they have pictures that they're putting up. They're showing you what they're doing and everything. And it was supposed to be done in 2021. So it's taking them longer than they thought it was going to. Well, construction supplies and so forth have exactly. been difficult to get during COVID. So they're renovating the place however long it takes. I'm just happy you're making it so that it's saved. We'd love to have you check out our website at historyghostbump.com. And if you want to send us some feedback, you can do that at historyghostbump at gmail.com. And we also just want to convey our well wishes for our friend Bill and the Spooktacular crew. I want to thank you for tuning in to this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by our executive producers. Dispatches from the Grave Digger. We want to welcome into the cemetery, Lacey Rea. We're going to be burying you in a chest tomb. Thank you so much for supporting History Goes Bump. And of course, we all know that Mort, our grave digger, is the one that will be taking care of the arrangements for Lacey. And you all know now that Mort joined us for an interview. So hopefully you check that out on the feed. And we also have a video up on YouTube. So you might get to see what Mort looks like. Maybe. Oh, I don't know. He's pretty secretive. Yeah. He's a shy guy. He's a little shy. You can find History Goes Bump on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Google Play, and anywhere you can listen to podcasts. And served in the Georgia legislature as a representative for Orglethorpe. Orgle. (laughs) Makes me think of Orville. Young married Lucy Woodson. What? What? You gonna make fun of me? Well, I was just wondering if it was too many W's, but I don't know. Will we be? Will we? He purchased thousands of... (laughs) Does that help? Yes. Another person who stayed at the house was Lieutenant General Nathan Bedford. (laughs) Long name. So then you just changed his last name. You're about to say Harris. Yes, I know. (laughs) I don't know where that came from. Harris, Forrest. They're kind of similar. They have S's. During the Civil War, a young girl died of dip. 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 Dip.